gem of a secret podcast. My name's Donatella, my secrets. And my name is Coco Gem Holiday. How are you doing tonight, Coco? Uh, fat. Fat is how I'm doing. Fat? Um, yeah, fat. <laughs> God, I, just, I just, like, so I'm trying to food journal because, you know, it, it does help. It, just, it does. But, like, so I was, like, doing it right now. I was taking a shit. Um... Oh, great. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I've eaten 3,000 calories today. That's fun. <laughs> I didn't even feel like that. It just gets away from you. Our listeners probably don't want to know about our BMs, but um, speaking of BMs, <laughs> I came across this TikTok TikToker that's like um, a butt doctor, and she talks about like healthy poops and stuff. And I think that that's an important thing to have in your life. I don't even know how you got into that. Like... <laughs> I don't even know what TikTok that would be a part of. Like, your For You page is butt stuff, I guess. Maybe. Do you know how many times a day is healthy? How many times? One to three. Oh, okay. I mean, I poop once, a, twice a day. Twice? Okay. Twice a day. See, that's healthy. Well, it's also because apparently I've been eating 3,000 calories. My body's like, get it yeah. out of me. You're going to pop. Um, <laughs> our listeners are like, oh my okay. goodness. They're what like, is happening? <laughs> Donna, what are you wearing this evening? I'm actually just dressed as the poo emoji. <laughs> That's what I was dressed as. So oh. Like, like, like a month well, ago. we're twins. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Um, I'm just wearing a nice, beautiful robe. Um, I do have my breast form on just because I want to feel fancy. Um, oh, with nice. some pasties. Um, but I don't know how to make pasties, so it's just black tape. Um, and then my hair is in an updo, but not one that's well styled. Oh, cute. <laughs> <laughs> Question mark. Comma. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> like, Choices. <laughs> God, it's so stupid. Um, so current events as the release of this episode from when we're famous and people want to know like what was going on back in 2021 mm. for us. Uh, Governor Kate Brown um, has now required masks. Yes, again. Um, required masks again, which is fine. That's fine. Um, but now they're required in outdoor spaces as well. Um, last week it was indoor spaces only um, where they were required. Now the mandate is for public spaces as well um, if you can't socially distance. Um, they have not um, gone back to closing places down or having it to where um, capacities, capacities are, less. are less, which is... Super good for me as I work in the uh, bar manager. Are they still space. open as late as they yeah, are? Yeah, all okay. the late times are still um, relaxed and everything, which is really, which is good for me working in a bar. So um, I know people feel like it's coming though. Oh, I did read today. Um, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Douglas County, I believe that's what it's called. I think it's Douglas County. Um, in Oregon has the sheriff has decided not to enforce the masks. Hmm. Um, he pretty much wrote a letter um, that was like, he's like, yeah, uh, so Governor Kate Brown said that you have to wear a mask, but I believe that you can figure it out yourselves. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to enforce that. You can do whatever you want. Hmm. Um, basically, they were saying, like, it's your choice to wear it, it's your choice not to. I don't believe the government should be telling you to wear a mask or not. There is a lot of rhetoric around it. And here's the thing. We have this whole, like, American independence ideology here in this country. Um, and that's the reason why the pandemic got as bad as it did in our right. country. 
right. is because we have that that ideology. The thing is, if people just kind of if people followed the rules and really like did what was responsible for one another, this could have been a lot better for us. Absolutely. And it's just frustrating that people are still making this political. Yeah, it's really disappointing. And what's even more disappointing is if you go to a different country, they don't have all of the safety signs that we do in the United mm-hmm. States. We have them for two reasons, for safety and then also because people will sue. Like, yeah. it's it's a little ridiculous that um, we as a country believe in our freedom of speech and our rights so much so that we don't care about community betterment. Yeah. Like, and that's what I feel about it. I feel like we know that masks work. It has been proven. Mm-hmm. It's American and, individualism at its best. Is yeah. yeah. And like, so choosing to not wear a mask, because I did send this to Donna, where, like we said before, we're from Grand Junction, Colorado, and I used to work at, near an assisted, well, part of a group that was part of an assisted mm-hmm. living facility. And there was uh, anti-vax protesters in front of the building. And I was just so baffled because, like, we all know the huge scare was, like, with COVID when it started was about in senior living communities because they couldn't, like, get away from each other in those communities. And that was really heartbreaking. And so seeing that was just, like, really scary. And I do believe in free speech, obviously, and freedom of choice. What the the sheriff was saying is, like, I don't believe the government should be involved in in taking away our choice. Mm. And as much as you can appreciate that sentiment... What that's also saying, and they also have, their county also actually has the, they're in critical condition, actually, Mm. because they have the National Guard, which is called in to help with COVID. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So, like, you're like, um, I believe in freedom of choice. I mean, my people are dying. Yeah. But I believe in freedom of choice. This is only making it worse, but... And it's funny because, like, it's people have a problem with, like, assisted suicide. Yeah. But then won't, like, will federally not want, like, people to wear a mask. I just, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. It just feels really uncomfortable. It People really won't take it seriously unless it's at their door. You know, unless someone they know is personally affected by it, then that's when their ideas tend to change. And it sucks that that's what it takes. But there was a person, I'll say it this way. Um, they don't listen to the podcast, but I will mm-hmm. keep their privacy. Uh, a person a year ago um, told me that they thought uh, COVID was a hoax, mm. um, and then even asked me if they even if I knew anybody who had even gotten it. And I was like, "Yeah, I have." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Really?" He's like, "I don't know anybody." And um, now, over the last like couple of months, um, he's had the worst of it in his family, mm. like direct family, and it. And it's been really heartbreaking to see. Mm-hmm. I never was one of those people that wished COVID on the naysayers. Yeah. Like, I think that that's horrific and you shouldn't do that. And morally and ethically, it just feels wrong. But it was like, when I saw it happening, I was like, I almost started, I guess what I, I haven't said this out loud before. I felt guilty for not pushing it more. Mm-hmm. I felt guilty for not being like, I think that you should get the vaccine. I think mm-hmm. you should wear a mask. I didn't push it because I believed in, you know, people's freedom of choice. Yeah. And and I was just like, well, okay, I mean, I, I'm going to wear a mask. But that becomes selfish in myself. And then now they're in these horrible circumstances. And I know it's like that thing you can only do so much, but still. Yeah, it really just, is. It's just sad. 
It is. Um, yeah. Also, uh, Pfizer's FDA approved. Pfizer so. is FDA approved, which is super exciting. Yeah, I, I have that Pfizer juice. I I was a was I a Pfizer? I was a Pfizer. Yeah. Were you Pfizer? Yeah, I was oh, Pfizer. Cool. I think Adam was Moderna. They are seeing that Moderna may be more effective now. There are some studies showing that Moderna may be more effective than Pfizer, but. And I know that there are some caveats in what the FDA said about Pfizer, but I need to do my own research before I bring it up on this podcast. Yeah. Because, um, you know, we are scientifically accurate on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. 100% Super. We are scientists. Yeah. Doctors. I'm learning to be a scientist of sorts, a brain scientist of, sh- of sorts. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, because you're back in school. I am. Yeah. yeah I'm the mood a little bit. <laughs> I've, I've gotten A's on all my assignments so cool. far. Um, and I just turned in my first research paper so that was fun to do after not doing it since 2014 i don't know how i could even go back into school right now even if i wanted to yeah it's um it's it's interesting but i'm learning a lot um yeah i'm i'm seven weeks into my first course and my course is 10 weeks long so that's really cool yeah that's really cool um I'm still doing the same old event management. I am taking my drag break in September. Yeah. Um, which I'm really excited about. Uh, I'm going to do as much of nothing as possible and gain all the available weight that's left in my body to gain. Mm. Uh, so that'll be fun. <laughs> I need to stop getting weight. Nothing fits anymore. Work. Um, <laughs> literally, work, move, do something. Uh, yeah. Uh, but no, like, and then um, my work is going really good and. So things have been really on the uptick for me. Good. Good. Well, uh, we have a very uh, interesting interviewee tonight, and I think we shouldn't keep them waiting. Yeah, I should. Yeah, we shouldn't either. So, Donna, let me get to them and ask you, how are you doing this evening? Oh, Coco, I will let you know after this brief commercial break. Dun dun drag race. Oh, we don't want to get sued for copyright, but you know what? I'm really in the mood to watch some drag race. Oh my gosh, let me tell you, there is a beautiful place to watch drag race every week. Oh yeah? Yeah, at Local Lounge at 6 o'clock p.m. every Thursday, you can get a first look at drag race. Oh my gosh, and currently we're on All Stars Season 6? Yeah, All Stars Season 6 is premiering right now, and we have performances that happen throughout the show. Awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. You can buy drinks, hang out with your friends, and just get to experience some buffoolery happening at the bar. Some buffoolery. Not even buffoonery. It's your own made-up word. (laughs) I know, just like a queen from Drag Race. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, catchphrase. What happens after Drag Race? After Drag Race, it goes straight into Drag Queen Karaoke. Yes. So you can sing with your friends, get some cocktails, and party all night long. I guess we'll see you there. Yep, see you there. It's a podcast Check it out. with Coco and Donna. Tell a podcast. Check it out. Tune into what they tell you. Podcast. Check it out. With Coco and Donna. Tell a podcast. Check it out. You know, Coco, I am feeling very warm. Like I just got myself a nice mug of a chocolatey beverage. That's warm. In your poop costume? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> because the guest that we have 
is you. Oh, it's me. It's you. Hi. How I'm, are you? I'm, I'm great. You um, come around here often? Um, no, this is my first time on your show. Um, first time, long time. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is so exciting. Uh, it's so nice to meet you. Oh, it's so nice to meet you, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've, we started Drag around the same time together, mm-hmm. eight, nine years ago, you know, give yeah. or take. And what was your main inspiration for getting into drag? Uh, I don't think I ever really ever wanted to. Yeah. I think it was just because my partner at the time was doing it, and I just wanted to be a part of the story. You just fell into it. Yeah, I literally fell into it. Mm-hmm. I had no desire to ever do drag. I don't ever see a circumstance where I ever would have done drag. It wasn't yeah. appealing to me. Yeah. I wasn't a girl who watched Drag Race. Yeah. Like, which is how most queers involved with it. And like myself included. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even I don't even know, like, even with as popular as drag race is now, mm-hmm. I don't even know if I ever would have fallen into liking drag. Just on your own. Yeah. I thought it was weird. Yeah. I mean I definitely did too. I think the more you're introduced to it, the more it becomes kind of normalized for sure. Mm-hmm. But I, I get what you're saying by that. I was definitely put off by it, too. Yeah, because I think even if I dated a guy who was like, oh, my God, I want to paint you, I probably would have been like, no. Yeah. Honestly, I'd be like, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you ha- have a really unique relationship with your mom when it comes to drag. It's probably yeah. the most unique relationship I've ever seen with a mother and, like, drag queen entertainer to where she kind of sends you like care packages of drag and she's kind of been your drag mother per se um talk a little bit about what that's been like yeah so my mom um when i finally came out as being a drag artist which i said in our coming out series that we did last year so Mm -hmm. you guys should look at listen to that um my mom my mom really likes the aspect of performance and so she sends me care packages um, to, like, help me. And I, I wear, like, 90% of what she sends me because she sends me the right size. And she goes thrift store shopping. Mm-hmm. But I have no time to do that. Um, and I'll, like, literally make these things out of the costume she buys me and the fabric she buys me. And I wear her jewelry. Mm-hmm. And she always buys me wigs and stuff like that. And it's just really cool. Like, it's it's cool to have somebody so supportive. And, like, she hasn't been to one of my shows in such a long time. Mm-hmm. But, um it's just, I don't know, it's been a really great experience getting to share that with my mom. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So, as you mentioned before, you started drag with your ex. Mm-hmm. Um, we were in a group. Tell us a little bit about what being in all the different iterations of drag girl groups you've been in has been like. Um, I think I, I always felt really stifled in girl groups, but mm-hmm. like, I always really enjoyed them too. They made drag more fun. Yeah. Like, cause drag is not really fun. <laughs> so, like, yeah. yeah. After a while, it loses that fun appeal. It becomes like a job that's entertaining. Yeah. And then where you entertain. And so being in a girl group helps it to where you're hanging out with your friends mm-hmm. as you're getting ready for a number. And I think, so starting, in, starting out in a girl group was cool because it was helping us learn and get our names out there and it helped us with bookings. Mm-hmm. And then as the iterations have changed and we did things, and actually, I think some of the highlights of my drag career were probably from the girl groups that we've been in. Yeah. Um, like performing in uh, Crested Butte was oh, obviously like... So much fun. An insane, cool experience. And that was with Natalie. With Natalie, mm-hmm. uh, when we were little tricks at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we started off as the CDs, which is kind of where my website 
thing came from and my business all came from. And we performed at every Pride as that group pretty much mm -hmm. um, in Grand Junction, which was cool. We had the top selling show with the Haunted Night of Drag, mm -hmm. which was amazing. And uh, and then right now we're kind of like in a drag group slash troupe called Vanity Came, which is interesting because like we haven't done really anything as that group except for a couple of numbers. Actually, mm -hmm. no, because we did the... Uh, the porch fest, fest which yeah was, which actually is another insane cool experience yeah i feel like so i guess long story short i don't um i do feel stifled in girl groups mm -hmm. but i also feel like girl groups give me the opportunity to be on bigger stages so people can see my art yeah which i love people seeing my art in different stages and in different ways yeah mm -hmm. definitely definitely um so you were on a little show called camp wanakiki yes describe what being on a bigger platform like that has done for your drag and what are some of like the negative experiences that you've had because of being on a platform for everyone to kind of view so the positives that came from that is it helped me get a bigger booking fee and helped me do meet and greets yeah uh the negatives that came from that are People make, make fun of me about it because it's not Drag Race, it's not Dragula. Mm. So the negatives did come in that way. Um, and then people also, like, when you're on one of those platforms and whatever, to use the logo of the show that they were on, they should be paying you to use it. Yeah. Right? Like, they should be giving you that money. But when people are like, put the Camp on a Kiki logo on, like, an event poster or something like that because I'm on the show, it's actually really detrimental because I'm like, if you're not paying me enough money to use the logo, you shouldn't be using the logo. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. like... And so, and then also in Portland, the running joke is always like, I came in fourth place, which probably is true, but at the same time, like, like it was, there was one winner and all runner-ups, and I was mm -hmm. a runner-up to the crown of that title, which is cool. Yeah. Like, I made it that far in that series. Yeah. Um, and it, and Camp Wanakiki this last season, like, in the last episode that I did on the podcast, they did crown um, a friend of mine. Yeah, Geneva. Uh, Geneva Convention, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And she super deserved it, of course. And... Like, her drag is just insane across the board. It's just so good. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, I, what I think I learned the most from that experience is the positives and negatives is that, like, I can deal with a lot of online bullying. Mm -hmm. I can, I'm strong and can come out on top when it comes to how I interact with the universe around me. So it's, that's what I learned. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, let's get a little bit risque. Ooh. I want you to tell me about your best and worst dressing room experiences in all your time performing oh. <laughs> as a queen. So my worst one was is super easy. Okay. It's a stupid shot thing from gosh dang uh, what's in Grand Junction what's that bar called um, that closed down that we performed at uh, Are you talking about Sabrosa? Yeah, Sabrosa. That oh. stupid shot in the basement incident. Yeah, the like, shooters. The, the shooters. The, the shooters. Oh, that the was a disaster. The worst incident, which led to my first public cancellation before canceling was a thing. And that's why it was the worst, is because there were yeah. so many negative ramifications because of that. Um, that's where, like, I really hung out with Odette. I think even Pheromone was supposed to be in that show. She was, yeah. Um, like the, it's just the whole. She canceled because she did realize that Grand Junction wasn't <clears throat> wasn't near Denver. Yeah, she was. Oh God, she was so stupid about that. <laughs> um, literally, it was that was probably the worst because of just all the negative things that happened with that, and people were being nasty, and 
that basement was awful and like the cattiness and just yeah I, it, oh god it was such a horrible horrible experience yeah um and then uh let's see like so that was but that was kind of outside the dressing room i don't i don't think i've had like the worst of times in a dressing room mm-hmm. um like where somebody like stole my stuff or was like super awful to me shady yeah, I mean, I had one recently, um, like a couple months ago. I actually texted Donna about it. Yeah, like there were some a bunch of girls who don't love me in the city. We were all in the same show together. Yeah, and they were being so mean, girly to me, like the entire time. I hate that. And it was so awful. I was like, oh come on, ladies, like we don't have to be that gross. Yeah. Um, like I, I don't necessarily try to say hi to everybody in the dressing room. I'm like Trixie Mattel in that way. Mm-hmm. Like I'm in the dressing room to do my business. I do like kind of, I kind of like to kick you, but like not like, I don't go hard. Yeah. Right. So, um, so that was my worst. My best dressing room experiences, um, I don't, hmm. Crested Butte was pretty good. Oh, that was, that was good. Well, okay. So that was good, but that was not great for me. So back in the day, so it's funny because Natalie, my relationship with Natalie is really great, which is funny. I talk to her more than Donna actually does, but Donna and Natalie were closer than I was with her. And so Donna would always make sure that her, sorry, Natalie would always make sure that Donna and her always looked great and everything was great about them. And I was always like an afterthought to Natalie. Yeah. So, and in every situation, I was always that to Natalie. The mismatching one. The mismatching. Oh, you can wear this, Coco. It's a different <laughs> color. It's a different color and just looks stupid. And no, and Natalie was always very much about othering me in that group, which is mm-hmm. fine. Um, and so I actually remember feeling a little out of place in that dressing room and whatever, because you and Natalie were just like giggling and having a great time. And I felt like kind of off base. Um, oh, and then like, and then when Freya was in the mix, then I would always feel super other. And as much as I love Freya and Natalie now, because um, like that was before we got me and Natalie got like as close as we are now. Like so it, that so that was not the best dressing room experience no. for me. Okay. Uh, I think uh, I was definitely in my own head and just excited that they had almonds for us to eat and like <laughs> free, like a, there was like gift baskets and stuff, and I was just like, oh, this is like an actual cabaret theater kind of backstage. <laughs> I I think the best dressing room experiences are always coming from a dressing room that's like really big and it's like super nice Mm -hmm. um and there hasn't really been a super lot of those but it's just for me a good dressing room experience is just that the personalities gel yeah like if the personalities gel like we can all kiki and laugh a little bit and just have a good time like and where you like to even stay after the show a little bit because you like talking didn't you say that you had a kind of fun one with like pandora box and uh miss Oh, that, Kasha would, Davis. that would probably be a really good one, yeah. Yeah. that was hilarious. Yeah. She said, Pandora, it was Pandora. She said, I wanted Cheetos and Red Bull, is mm-hmm. what she said. And so they brought her Cheetos mm-hmm. and Red Bull because they didn't hear her say Cheetos. Mm. And she's like, did they really just bring me Cheetos? <laughs> and she's like, I'm going to get the Valentina in it. I'm going to be like, I want Red M&M's and like all this stuff. She's <laughs> freaking but out about Cheetos. it. And then I love Mrs. Kashi. She was so cool because she was just done. Uh-huh. She's just done. And she's just already out of drag, just in her slippers. And she wanted mm-hmm. to go 
Oh, mama. She was not about that journey. Yeah. Um, and actually, most of the time when I'm in, with a Drag Race girl in the basement, it's actually pretty fun. Shangela, when we were in the basement with Shangela during that one show, yeah. where everybody was so mad at us that we got to be booked in that show with them oh, in the college. Gosh. That was a fun dressing room. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, that was a great time. Oh. And when Jiggly, when Jiggly was here, yeah. when we booked her, um, yeah. and we were in the basement with her, she's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, that's true. We've been in dressing rooms with a lot of fun people. Yeah. yeah. That, that Those are the, the, I know that sounds terrible, like, oh, it just goes to Drag Race Girls. But even when Loris was here, like, yeah. when Loris was in town, like, when we were in dressing room, Loris is fun in a dressing room, too, mm-hmm. um, until they lose a costume or whatever. <laughs> it was a wig. A wig, and she just <laughs> flipped out. We found it eventually. We found it. But, yes, there was a meltdown. <clears throat> yes, and so that's kind of been my fun dressing room experiences. Oh, actually, anytime we were in Austin. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, anytime we were in Austin for the drag festival, those – those dressing rooms were always fun because it's new people. Yeah, and, like Cheyenne O'Shea from all over. Her name is. Yeah, like, to hang out with her. Like, she is a she was a ton of fun. Yeah, yeah. And Erica Clash. Erica, and yeah. Just people like that. Geneva Convention. Yep. Um, just really cool people. Yeah, yeah. Well, you asked me this question, so I only feel it's appropriate to ask you this question. If you had any kind of advice for any newcomers to the art of drag, and all of your wisdom in the last almost decade of doing drag what would you tell newcomers don't do it it's a trap um <laughs> kind of a little bit. Um, i mean yeah what would i tell a new person i think excuse because there's been some new people who've popped up on the scene whose names i do not know yeah um i think just really recognizing that you're gonna suck for a very mm. long time and I know that we have the tools nowadays to where people don't have to suck as long, but like you're gonna suck and it's really expensive and it's hard and there's not a lot of return. You have to really like doing drag. You have to really love doing drag mm-hmm. to do it at the level that anyone would do it for longer than a year. Like it's a really hard thing. It's hard on your body. So I think what I would give advice is just make sure to take care of yourself mentally and physically. Drag has the ability to beat you down. Drag artists are some of the most terrible people in the world. The way that we treat each other as colleagues is horrific, and it is across the world. Like, drag artists are very mean to each other. And, like, even if you're the sweetest girl in the world, people will still have something to say. You'd be the meanest girl in the world, and people have things to say. And so you have to really learn to build a thick skin. And you have to learn to take care of yourself. Sleep when you can. Try not to drink too much. Don't get caught in the drug scene. Um, too heavily Um, try not to try just basically you want to be able to look at yourself in the morning after you've been doing drag and not hate what you see and oftentimes there was a lot of moments when I've been in my ups and downs of drag where I hated what I saw even if I loved what happened the night before Mm -hmm. Um, the fights I've gotten into in drag too emotionally were just so scarring Mm -hmm. and most drag artists have gotten into a terrible fight at one point for sure physically or just like a screaming match and remember, your all of your business doesn't belong on the internet. Yeah, all of your business doesn't belong on the internet. Oh my gosh, so true. It just it it doesn't like if you if you feel negatively about a person, you don't need to put it online. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people, a lot of people just don't really recognize that. And so, it, so what I would say is take care of yourself, and then when you're hurt, 
probably see a therapist <laughs> yeah. versus using the internet to attack and destroy what you've built for yourself. For real. For real. I think that's solid advice, honestly. Because anytime I see that, it really, like... I don't know, it just bums me out. Like, I don't think that people need to be, like, going on, like, doing lives to, like, really, like, tear people down. And I I, I definitely agree. I, I, why do you think it is that drag queens do treat each other so terribly? I, I know that people have said in the past that gay men can be very, like, emotionally stunted because of our trauma. So do you think that's the reason why? Or why is it that a lot of the times we go for the jugular as entertainers. People, um, I say this on the microphone all the time, people don't do drag because they've got their shit together. Mm -hmm. People do drag because they're usually processing trauma in artistry. Mm. Um, like, we're, we're literally artists that are putting a lot of ourselves into something, and then we become violent creatures. And then also, exacerbate, like it gets exacerbated because of drinking. Mm -hmm. And so we think that we're making a great decision. I literally even sent a text yesterday I wasn't even in drag to my boss at local lounge that um, wasn't the best text, honestly. It's because I've been drinking and I'm a queer person and I do drag. And it could have been phrased so much better. Even in my mm -hmm. 35 years of life, it was not a nice text to send. Yeah. Um, I was trying to be firm, but it came off being awful and I feel mm -hmm. really bad about it. Um, and, and I think it's just because we're emotionally stunted, like Donna said, but it's also because you don't do drag because you're you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have some shit you're working through. <laughs> yes. God. No, that's it's so damn true though. And I yeah, I guess I never really and and that does kind of seem like it could seem to some like we're putting like a negative spin on like doing drag or like drag is like a lifestyle and the thing is we've lived it and loved it too so yeah of course it's been a way for us to like process some shit because we have had somewhat difficult yeah. upbringings as queer people honestly yeah. like yeah it's and there's no shame in that there's no shame in that yeah and I, honestly i i do still love drag if i lost some weight i would love it a lot more drag being overweight is just horrible oh my god it's horrible it is uncomfortable and it is unfun <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well that was i don't know that was super deep and i appreciate you saying that and like recognizing that there is more to us like vain creatures of beauty i have to ask you the question that we ask everyone as a guest on our podcast mm -hmm. if you were in a bar fight which three queens in the city would you want on your side and why why? Yeah. Um, definitely Shaniqua Vault. There's Yum. <laughs> hands down Shaniqua Vault. She's <laughs> absolutely insane. Um, let's see, who do I think would be like real scrappy? Um, and actually, the one I think I would choose, especially because of after today's conversation, mm -hmm. I would choose Babylon. Honestly, yeah. Babylon Brooks. She's <laughs> these hands. <laughs> she's... <laughs> 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 oh, Babylon, the hands, Brooks. She said, These hands. She said, she said, if that girl keeps getting crazy with me, I'm going to walk the dog on her ass. <laughs> <laughs> I've I actually, but I've seen Babylon get mad. And uh -huh. it's, cause, and, and I mean, in the true, like, get mad scenarios where a guy was, like, being rude to her in a bar. And, like, she'll, like, she'll bring him outside and say, say something else to me. I swear to God, you better say something else to me. She's got that stinger. Oh, that she, scorpion she, she's got stinger. that Texan in her. And it's just, uh, it's a it's kind of scary yeah um let's see who do i think would be the 
Correct. So I've, I've had a lot of time to think about this, and Babylon is the newest edition, and I, I was going to choose Atlas, but then I, I don't think I would choose Atlas anymore, because Atlas is, like, really mellowing out. Mm-hmm. And, like, so I just don't know if she would, like, be a good contender if, like, the bar fight just was, like, going heavy and hard. Um, I think it would have to be Anjay Tifa. Absolutely, oh, yeah. Anjay Tifa. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. <laughs> oh, God, she's a nightmare. <laughs> she's a horrible person. And I just, but the funny thing is her, is I, her and I are good, but, like, she's also that girl that you just don't want to be on her bad side. She does not play. She yeah. just doesn't play. And if you get in her face or try to make her feel a way about something, oh, she just, she won't have it. Damn. She won't have it. Well, I think that's a pretty fair lineup. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be good. I wouldn't even have to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> I'd just be sitting there sipping a cocktail. And if there's one last thing that you want the audience to know about you, what is it? Um, I think what's happening to me in this community is I have a reputation now. And it is it is very similar to the one I had in Junction, not completely. But the one thing I always like let people in Junction to know is, like, I am always open to having a conversation if somebody disagrees with how I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I was recently canceled online, and not a one reached out to me. Like nobody, nobody wanted to talk it out. Like they wanted to just be terrible. Yeah, and like and and like I'd see posts about me on the internet that were like awful or. They would say the producers of that show, meaning me and Touche, the producers of that show, the producers of that show. And nobody actually ever reached out like, to me. Yeah. Um, to talk about all that stuff. And like, so I just kept getting tagged in post after, not tagged, I kept getting sent screenshots of post after post after post. And I was really disappointed in the city because I thought, like, as much as, as woke as we pretend to be, like, people should shoot a message out. Yeah. And. You know, so we can have a conversation. I'm all about conflict resolution. I want dialogue and education. It's what my platform is. Right? Yeah. So, like, let's do it. And so then, you, you felt people were rushing to react rather than actually want to come to any kind of resolve with I, their issues. With yeah, the... I still never got a message yeah. from anybody. Were these people, too, that you later would see out in public and they would act like everything was cool? Or would was the relationship a little bit more strained um, afterwards? There's only been one relationship that's actually got strained in public, but the rest mm-hmm. of them were fine. Okay. Like, everybody was just fine in public. Yeah. Yeah. Just, like, nothing really happened. Yeah. Hmm. Like, it's kind of weird. You know, maybe that's the whole reason why people talk about this whole, like, cancel culture thing with Portland is because people so quickly, like, rush to react to things on social media Mm -hmm. rather than, like, just having, like, human conversations with one another where there's, like, a a proper exchange for both parties. Yeah, because I... There are ways... And it's a cheetah girl's... Mm-hmm. there are ways and then there are ways mm. like and it because it's talking about there is a right way to do something if you really want somebody to um, change their behavior or you really want somebody to learn from mm-hmm. their mistakes uh, cancel culture is nine times out of ten not going to be the way it works and a lot of people in Portland keep trying to say accountability culture or holding someone accountable or consequences to negative actions. Mm-hmm. None of that stuff is true. None of it is true. Accountability culture doesn't exist. Um, it doesn't. Um, 
consequences to negative actions in the sense of a public forum do not exist. Mm -hmm. Um, in the way like, yeah, you're punishing a person, but it's not going to do the thing. It's not going to get you the results that you want. If you want to just hurt a person, then all of those things are true. Yeah. All of those things are fine. Yeah. If you just want somebody to suffer. But if you really want somebody to do better for the generations that come after and then what happens online publicly where they're being accountable, like they're being held accountable, then that's not the way to do it. Yeah. Like hold space for education and then that's how you would actually see it because the reality is none of that stuff has been helpful. Yeah. It just hasn't. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great place to end it because I think we learned a lot about being more uh just human and also being willing to have like conversations rather than rushing to to judgment yeah so i i appreciate you and i appreciate doing this with you and thank you yeah thank you oftentimes too for for taking on a lot of pressure from people because i know that's not easy yeah, it gets old fast. It's yeah, just... <laughs> yeah, it does. That's why I disappeared from the face of the earth. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in once again to A Gem of a Secret Podcast. Yes. Uh, Coco, this was lovely. Is there anything else you want to say to our listeners? I love each and every single one of you. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. This has been another episode of A Gem of a Secret Podcast. The hosts of A Gem of a Secret Podcast are Donatella My Secrets and Coco Jim Holiday. You may follow Donatella My Secrets at Donatella underscore My Secrets on Instagram. You may follow Coco Jim Holiday at Coco Jim Holiday on Instagram. Original music by Touche Douche and Party Favors. You can follow them respectively at the Touche Douche and at Party Favors Music on Instagram. For more exclusive content, visit www.ajemofasecretpodcast.com. That is A-J-E-M of a Secret Podcast.com. Be sure to tune in every week on Thursday for a new episode wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any comments or questions, email us at ajemofasecretpod at gmail.com. Please don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.